Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dano, and with me we have Pado. Welcome, Pado. Thanks, mate. Good to be here for another week. Looking forward to discussing some of the issues from the week. And you've actually got all right internet connection this week and not shit, shit internet connection. Yep. Here's hoping because uh, bloody Optus, terrible. Yeah. We are not proudly sponsored by Optus. Uh, fuck you, Optus. No, just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> we'll we'll start off with uh, injuries for this round. Starting off with Jordan Ridley, who got concussed on the weekend. 12-day break. It could end up being a bit longer, but we worked out it's going to end up being a week. He's got a very high break even, 190. He's 588K. He'll probably end up dropping a fair whack of dosh over the next three weeks. But with him, what do you suggest to do, Pato? Yeah, I would not be a fan of trading him out at all. If I had Caleb Daniel, I probably wouldn't have traded him out last week as well. It's only a week, I think. As long as you've got the cover on your bench, I really don't think it's worth the trade at this stage of the season. But yeah, Ridley's a big one. He's in so many teams and the number one ranked defender in the in the for the year. So he's going to hurt a lot of teams by missing a week. But if you've got a Chapman or someone on the bench, I think just think you need a hold. Next one, Jeremy Howe. See, I got the double whammy of Ridley and Howe. Fuck life. Um, Jeremy Howe's looking at about three to four weeks off. If you like me and got both Ridley and Howe, I think our hands are pretty much almost going to be forced here. Trade one of them, and I'd suggest trading Howe off. Uh, we can talk about that later because we do have a question regarding that a bit later. Another one that got injured over the weekend was Patrick Dangerfield, who did an ankle. Now, he came back onto the ground, so it didn't look too serious at first, and they even said that it's not too bad. But they've come out again and said that it's worse than they first thought. With his age and his stature in that Geelong team, they're not going to risk him this early in the year. So I really feel for people that held on to Dangerfield through suspension – because a lingering injury to a, a player of his age might go on. So watch this space with Dangerfield. Bucky Whitfield is about one to two weeks away, according to the Giants. So he's one to start thinking about bringing into your side in the coming weeks. Uh, just see how he goes. He has been laid off for a little while. to see how he moves and whatnot and how he actually integrates back into that Giants side that have now won the last two games. A couple more that got injured that are probably listed as a test, so they will probably play as Dan Houston of Port Adelaide. Not in too many teams, but he's a bit of a point of difference for some teams. And Rowan Marshall, who's coming back from that injury, he's a test, but I would say he will play. We saw the difference between him playing and not playing over the last two weeks for Saints. For the Saints, I think they'll play him this weekend. And another one, finally, is Tom Hickey, the big ruckman for the Swannies. People do have him. They brought him in likely as cover because Flynn hasn't been playing. If anyone had Flynn at R2. So they had Gorn, Hickey and Flynn. Now, Hickey's gone for about six to eight weeks with that PCL. So six to eight weeks, you got to trade. So unfortunately, that's my opinion. You got to trade six to eight weeks too long to hold someone on the pine, especially with a rookie ruck that keeps coming in and out like no tomorrow. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame for the 12% of teams that do have Hickey. He's averaging 103 on the season, and that's with his injury-affected score on the weekend of 87. So he was a great bargain pick for if you had him, but unfortunately, it's time to trade him out because he'll miss too much time. 
Now, our next segment for the week is our high scores over the last weekend. Capped off by the absolutely brilliant, I've got a bit of a crush on him, even though he's playing my team on the weekend, Big Maxi Gorn. Had 172 on the weekend. He's averaging 140 on the year. I really feel for the 50% of teams that don't have him because at 751K, he's almost out of reach, but another monstrous performance for him. He actually went up in price. Yeah, which is just absolutely absurd for a player that is priced so highly. But you know what? It's Maxi Gorn, so I'm not really surprised. He's got a break-even of 133. Now, I can actually see him reaching that on the weekend. He had 163 against the Tigers last year. Toby Nankervis battles hard, but Max Gorn, I can see absolutely dominating us on Saturday night. Lucky Neil finally repaid the faith with coaches that held on to him. He pumped out a big 157, the second highest score of the round. This may be the lowest that he might reach is the 580K range, but it's been his only one big score so far. So keep an eye on Lockie Neal. If he pumps out another one, I think you'll have to jump on if he does that after next round. Yeah, this one really hurts because he's dropped 141,000. I unfortunately traded him after one price change. So I got him about 100K more expensive than he is now. He's got a break-in of 98. Now he probably will get the Ed Kerno tag this weekend, but he is probably at his lowest point, as you said, Dano. And Lockie Neal looks like he's back. So this hurts a lot because I did trade him out. In hindsight, I wish I kept him, but that's why you keep your, keep your primos. Equal third highest score of the round was Sam Menegola of the Geelong Cats with a big 152. Now, he's one to keep an eye on. Last year, Menegola was so underrated because he lost that forward status and he was just placed in the mids in Supercoach. And he still was pumping out respectable scores. So he's one to keep an eye on, especially with Dangerfield looking to miss multiple weeks. The Menegola roll is back. Menegola's rolling on, so keep an eye on him. Yeah, definitely want to keep an eye on him. He averaged 108 last year as a pure midfielder. Just coming back from back to full fitness, he's in less than 1% of teams. So if you want to jump on, he's at 561,000, so he's not super cheap, but will be a massive point of difference for you if you want to jump on. Highest scoring defender for the round was uh, Tom Stewart, Dano. So you'd be happy with that one. Unbelievably, he's averaging 109. If you take away Alex Witherden, who had a big game on the weekend, he's actually the second highest averaging defender behind big Jordan Ridley, who most teams have. So he's flying a little bit under the radar, Tom Stewart. A lot of us jumped on last year when he got down to about 400,000, but he's looking like an actual primo this year. So one to keep an eye on. Yeah, fuck you, Pato, because I don't have him. Um <laughs> I thought you had him. I do not have him. I said, I wish I started him, but I never did. Oh, shit. Who is Tom Stewart then? Right. Not me, Oops. you bastard. <laughs> Sorry. It's <laughs> all good. Okay. Walsh owners would have been happy on the weekend. He pumped out a 144. His current price has now gone up to 568K. Uh, he's looking like a genuine, genuine midfielder, genuine super coach scorer. So, yeah, he's 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 breaking out in front of our eyes. So, Walsh owners, be happy with him. I think you've got an absolute gem. Yeah, 14% of teams. So, he's getting a bit of attention, but he looks like the one at Carlton. And this is completely left field. And we, we didn't even talk about this, or he's not on the run sheet at all. But the game looks like it's a lot more suited to these faster-paced mids. And it looks like the inside mid is almost dead in, in, in AFL at the moment. So, we don't see those inside bulls getting a lot of the points. So, Patrick Cripps... 
He's been shit ass this year. Sam Walsh is the one from Carlton. He's the mid to have from there. So equal highest points in the forwards was uh, Dunkley and Zebel. Now both in plenty of teams, over 50% of teams. Dunkley is just pumping out score after score. So he's going to have to be in everyone's team by at least the buys, but hopefully sooner. Averaging 128 on the year, but he had a massive 148 on the weekend. Jack Zebel also got 148. Now this one does hurt as a non-owner and plenty don't have him, but Zebel's in more than half of the teams. Unfortunately, I'm not one of those teams, but he's pumping out score after score and averaging 119, which is absolutely huge. I'm not convinced he can play all 22 games. As a non-owner, I'm hoping he doesn't. I'm sorry to anyone that does have him, but if he does manage to stay on the park, he's going to pump score after score and be almost a must-have in your team. And he's gone up 220,000 already this year, which is just unreal. I want to go up a little bit left field now. With Jager O'Meara, he's $526,000 redos. Three-round average of 117. He's in 1.3% of teams, and he scored 127 on the weekend. So he's one to keep an eye on. Another one, potentially Braden Maynard. He's dropped down to 450K. Is he benefiting from more moving forward and Crisp being more in midfield? We can debate that. We can discuss that. But he found a bit of form on the weekend as well. He got a 125 on the weekend. So there's two, a little bit of left of field options for people there. And Maynard was a primo last year. So he's a bit of more of a fallen primo. And his scoring's really dependent on his role, like many players in Supercoach. Yeah, Maynard's not a bad shout. He's averaged 102 last year in a, in a really positive role, but played a bit more of a lockdown early this year. If he's going to benefit from more going forward, I don't know how long they're going to stick with that, but who knows what Collingwood are going to do. They could throw Darcy Moore back into defense and Mason Cox could play fullback the way they're going at the moment. So I'd be steering clear from Collingwood players, but if you've got big nads, then uh, Braden Maynard might be a cheeky option at 450K. Honourable mention to Brody Grundy at 134 on the weekend. I don't think he's going to get any cheaper. So, yeah, just thought I'd chuck that one in there. Now, there's a couple of high scores that occurred on the weekend, one being a Fremantle player and one being a West Coast player. Now, Pato, I'd like you to discuss the Fremantle player because I'm seething a little bit on the inside because I got this bloke in at his most expensive. Yeah, we've all traded in players in the past and not maybe not this year, but where they've had some good scores, had a few down games, and then all of a sudden hit their lowest point and then just take off again. Andrew Brayshaw. Now I'm huge on Andy Brayshaw. I think he's going to be an absolute star. I think this could be the year he really takes off. Had 117 on the weekend. I doubt he gets tagged with Nat Five playing. Now a three round average of 77 really hurts Dana. Cause I know you've got all three of those scores, but He's only 482,000, which for a premium midfielder is really good. Now, if you look at his average, he's only averaging 97, which isn't big. But to start off the year, he went 125 and 132. Had 117 on the weekend. He's had two bad scores against Carlton and Hawthorne that got tagged in both of those games. But he's got North Melbourne coming up, which is a nice, big, juicy matchup. Got the Eagles and the Lions, which are a couple of tough games. And then he's got Essendon. So he's got a decent month ahead. None of those teams really have tagged this year. Hopefully, Mark Hutchings doesn't start tagging for the Eagles. I know he's back from injury, but he's got a pretty good month ahead. And I actually think he's going to be the one that I bring in this week, Dano. 
Fair enough. The other one to look at, which is from the Eagles, to keep an eye on. Alex Witherden. Now, every year, they got ever since he debuted, we've got this Alex Witherden. When is he going to take that next step? When is he going to do it? Got traded to the West Coast Eagles. Hearn goes down. Witherden now goes into the Hearn role. We'll talk about Witherden a little bit more later, but he's someone to keep an eye on. He got 133 on the weekend in his first game. Does he do enough to keep his spot or is he just covering Hearn? I reckon he is doing enough currently. It's only been one game, though, to keep his spot. So that's all I'll say about Witherden. With Witherden, though, this leads on to our next segment, which is something called the kick-in percentage stats for the round, and we try and look at any patterns that we may be able to see. So without further ado, Alex Witherden took 90% of the team's kick-ins. They had 10 behinds. They had a nine kicks of his 30 disposals were from kick-ins. So that is huge. So there's one little pattern there. The next one, we'll focus a bit on Richmond here, Pato. Now, you analyze the games because you're a Richmond fan. Who are the two that were taking the kick-ins for Richmond? Well, three, I should say, but we'll focus on the big two. Who were the big two that were taking the kick-ins for Richmond over the weekend? So the two that main kick-in takers for the Tigers on the weekend was Jaden Short, who's been taking them most of the year, but Basha Hawley has just come into the team he took most of them on the weekend. Now, the Saints only kicked six behind, so that means we only had six kickouts. But the data is there to suggest that. What does it look at, Dane? Well, Hawley took 50%. So three of those kick-ins were Hawley, and Jaden Short took 33%. So that's two of the kick-ins. And Noah Balter took one kick-in. Yeah, so I know they like Noah Bolter because he's such a big kick of the footy. He can easily kick at sort of 60, 65 metres. He's got a massive kick on him. Um, I like to think that against a team like the Demons, who are absolutely flying at the moment, they might get a few more kickouts on the weekend because they'll get some more shots on goal. Um, but one to watch because Jaden Short has historically scored pretty well with Basher Hooley in the team, but hopefully Basher doesn't keep stealing his kickouts. Basher only had seven kicks on the weekend and Jaden Short had 15. So Jaden Short's still getting plenty of the footy around the ground. He just had a poor game, I think. Do you reckon that his poor game was directly resulted in the less kick-ins as well? Like he, I know he didn't crack 100 on the weekend. How much did he actually get on the weekend, Pato? So he, he got 74 on the weekend. So he still had his 20 touches, but he went at 60% and had four clangers, which is quite unusual for Jaden Short. But I reckon the matchup against his good mate in Jack Higgins might have got into his head a little bit because Jack Higgins, we know, is an absolute fucking twit. Uh, and probably got right into his head. So I wouldn't be too concerned about Jaden Short. Even though he's dropped down from 71% of the kick-ins down to 33%? Yeah, I think it's a once-off. We won by nearly 100 points. So Jaden Short didn't give a shit about taking the kick-ins. He was having an off game. Fair enough. Moving on to North Melbourne, with Aaron Hall getting concussed. Last round, Aaron Hall took 58% of the kick-ins and Jack Zabel 42%. This round, Jack Zebel took 82%, 82% of North Melbourne's kick-ins. Now, how many behinds does that equate to, Pado? And how many kicks did Jack Zebel get? So the Cats actually kicked 17 behinds on the weekend. They could not find a target at all. This really should have been an 80-point win, but we're not talking about the results. We're talking about the Supercoach stats. And Jack Zebel had 33 kicks. He nearly covered a, a whole kilometre of 
meters gained on the weekend, which is absolutely unreal. But looks like he's just going to look after his stats this year. And if you own him, you'll be reaping the benefits because he's had 33 kicks on the weekend and 148 super coach. That's 13 to 14 kicks in a game just from kick-ins. Yeah, it seems absolutely broken, especially for a team like North Melbourne who are completely fucking woeful. So they're going to have plenty of kick-ins this year. Moving on to the Gold Coast Suns. Jackie Bowes had a drop in his kick-in percentage. So he started the season going at about 60% or 70% of the kick-ins. He's dropped down last round to 38% of the team's kick-ins. Now, how has that directly translated to his score, Pato? Yeah, that's had a direct correlation on his score. So last week he scored 107. So that went down to 73 on the weekend. So that's a drop of 34 super coach points just by taking less kick-ins. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether or not that's going to keep going. I think that Stewie Jew is going to say, right, Jack, take the kick-ins a bit more often. The interesting one was Lacocious actually took 13% of their kick-ins. He usually takes about zero. So has has he started drifting back down to defense, Pato? Hopefully for Jack Lacocious owners, I know he's a beautiful kick of the footy. So it makes sense that he'd be taking kick-ins to me as an outside observer because he's lethal by foot, but we'll see what happens. He went up from a 44 to a 93 on the weekend. So we can see the direct correlation between taking kick-ins and High super coach scores. Go over to Fremantle. Lukey Ryan consistently getting those kick ins. Round one, 64%. Round two, 57%. Round three, 54%. Round four, 57%. And round five, 60% of the kick ins. He is a bona fide gun. And I don't think that he's going to have a drop in kick in percentage anytime soon. No, can't see it happening. They love the ball in his hands. And He's at the 134 super coach. So he's flying under the radar a little bit, but he's a proven scorer down in defense. Here's the interesting point for Collingwood. So Jeremy Howe was up there with the kick-in percentage. He went down on the weekend. He had 0%. Braden Maynard has gone from 33%, 43%, 29%, 33% over the first four rounds to a whopping 86% of the team's kick-ins in round five. Pato, what does that correlate to for Braden Maynard's score on the weekend? So just looking at round four compared to round five, he had 49 supercoach last week for round four, but he had a whopping 125 on the weekend in round five. So maybe want to keep an eye on for this weekend. We'll see if he keeps taking those kick-ins this weekend and we'll see what Darcy Moore does. Yeah, Darcy Moore started off the season taking kick-ins and then the last three rounds he's had none. So that's quite interesting. Anyway, that's all we got time for for that segment. But it's a good thing to keep an eye on these things because kick-ins are pretty much free super coach scores. So it's really good to get some of those guys in that you know are going to take those kick-ins that are still scoring well because they've got that little bit of a safety net of free points. All right. Next up, we are going to look at the low break-evens for the week. So that means for those that don't know, the players that we should be targeting to get in because they're going to make coin. And the way we... When we make coin, that means we can get guys like Andy Brayshaw into our team. So without further ado, I'm going to go straight on to Tommy Highmore. Now, we've spoken about the last couple of weeks. We're all crying out for him to actually finally play. Now, Brett Ratton, you guys have been fucking woeful ever since dropping this guy. Get him into the team, you fucking idiot. I watched his VFL 
game on the weekend, mainly to watch Maurice Rioli Jr. because he's going to be a fucking star, but that's irrelevant. <laughs> I had tried to pay close attention to Tommy Highmore. Now, he was really good in the first half when the Zebras were actually tr- kind of in the game, but he faded late, but the VFL, the Richmond VFL team actually won pretty comfortably, but Highmore was probably their best player. Now, he had really good stats on the weekend, really good super coach relevant stats. So he had 16 touches and 13 of those were kicks. And we know Supercoach love those kicks. He had seven marks. He had nine intercept possessions, four tackles, and he had 95 Supercoach points. Now, in a big loss like that, that's a really positive sign. And in a team that was so terrible defensively, Brett Radden, please do us a fucking solid. Name Tommy Highmore this weekend. We all need it. Come on, Brett. What the fuck are you doing? Tommy Highmore also went at 92% in those 13 kicks. Yeah, he was alone. He was one of the lone shining stars for Sandringham on the weekend. And and with a break even of minus 68, we just need him to play some games so we can start making some money. And if you're a Jeremy Howe or a Jordan Ridley owner, we also need him to be playing. So just to cover them guys, those guys for however long they're out for. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I'll move on to Lockie Jones, the man with the mullet and the moustache. He he looks like an AFL player. He looks like a fucking veteran. He's got a minus 48 break even, 65 average, $139,000 defender. He's probably going to get you those 60s. Might pump out an 80, but he looks the goods. I love his tenacity on the footy. He just looks like he's made for AFL and he looks like he belongs. So this is the round that you got to get Lockie Jones in, in my opinion. Prioritize him and then maybe you do bring in, let's say, Brayshaw from Fremantle. They're your two, one, two, bam, bam. They can be your priorities if you don't own someone like Jeremy Howe. Yeah, it's quite crazy to think that Lockie Jones is just 19 years old because he's built like a brick shithouse and that mullet is a fucking thing of art. He's absolute envious of that mullet, but we'll talk about his break even. Negative 48. Yep, definitely a trading target this weekend. I know I'm bringing him in but we'll talk about the people that are ready to trade out in the next segment. Yeah, I'm going to call him Lockie, Mr. Steal Your Girl, fucking Jones. Another defender on the bubble, if you've already got Lockie Jones and Tommy Highmore, is Ryan Mansell. Now, he hasn't had too high of a scores. He has scored just a 50 and a 43, but we talked a little bit last week about those 102,000 rookies. They really don't need to be scoring too much to make pretty good money. Now, he also started to look like he kind of belonged at AFL level last weekend. Now, Obviously, there's a big difference between port, playing Port Adelaide in Adelaide and the woeful St Kilda Saints at Marvel. But he looked really good. So if he continues to play like that and we keep winning games, he's not going anywhere out of this team. And if you want more of a slow burn of someone that has maybe decent job security, then Ryan Mansell might be the one for you. Negative 33 break even. And he's got the pace, which is really suited to the to modern game this year. So one to keep an eye on. Another one up forward, 117,000, is Bo McCreary. He's got a 57 average, minus 45 break-even. Look, I don't want to bring in another forward pocket, so that's it's a no from me. What about you, Pato? Yeah, if you don't have any dual-position player swings, then you could do worse than bring in Bo McCreary if you need a forward. But as you said, Dano, I don't like bringing forward pockets in because like with the Jimmy Rowe situation, they'll have good weeks and they'll have bad weeks, and it really is dependent on who they're playing for the week and whether they'll kick goals or not. So, yeah, risky one for me. Yep. I'll talk about my boy, Matty Flynn. He's got a minus 34 break even. He should play this week. Mumford is fucked. And it'd also be uh, more of a strategy thing as well. 
with Mumford, they wanted to bash and crash Grundy. It worked. They wanted to bash and crash Hickey. It also worked. Unfortunately, though, Hickey went down with injury. This week, the Giants will likely focus on more of a running Ruckman, which is what Flinney likes to do. He likes to get around the ground a bit more rather than a full-on bash and crash like Shane Mumford does. They've got the Twin Towers in Steph Martin and Timmy English. So it won't surprise me if Matty Flynn comes back into the side. Watch this space. So most of you will probably have him R3. Some people like myself have him at R2. I strongly believe he will play this week. But if you can get Brody Grundy in, you've got to do it now. Yeah, interestingly enough with the Doggies, I actually managed Steph Martin on the weekend. So he'll be raring to go against Matty Flynn, but finally playing a game. So he'll start. He'll continue to make money for us. He's already made 103000 in just the three games. Now, what are your thoughts on Braden Campbell, Pato? Yeah, we spoke about Braden Campbell last weekend. Of someone we should probably be holding, but it's a little bit more tricky this week now because he scored just a 39, which is absolutely woeful and not going to cut it. His break-even is a 53. So when the break-even gets close to your average, it means they're ready to go. But the issue is he's only made us 55K. So... Not a lot for a rookie, but he'll start going backwards if he doesn't see his role improved. Now, the other point with Campbell is Longmire was a little bit cryptic in his press conference, but he did mention that one of the kids may be due for a rest. Now, if that's Braden Campbell, I think that makes our decision pretty easy as someone that is ready to be cold. But if it's Warner or Golden, makes it a little bit more tricky who are a bit more expensive, but We'll see what they do in the selection table. Just hold your trades until they play. They play on the Saturday afternoon. So we'll know before the first game of the round whose name to be rested or not. Yep, yep. Which leads me on to Warner and Goulden. Uh, Warner, 331K, 58 break-even. Then you got Goulden, 315K, 51 break-even. I'd say hold them, to be honest. Um, either one of them is capable of pump, pumping out uh, nine, uh, 80, 90 plus. They're... The break-evens are in the 50s, so they're the only two that I'd say hold, try and squeeze a bit more money out of them. But like you said, they could get rested on the weekend, so prepare yourselves. Yeah, Warner and Gordon have been thrown around a little bit. I think they're trying to manage them in the games, but they've both played a fair bit of inside midfield minutes, so they might be due for a rest because of their role. Braden Campbell's been playing as a defender, so he may not be as needed for a rest, but... Golden and Warner, watch this space. We'll see what happens. But if they're named, they're an absolute hold. Even if they keep up these 50s and 60s, they're just going to sit tight at that money and they're going to get more points than Braden Campbell has been. So much more effective on field. In honour of the amount of butts that Pato has said in this fucking podcast this week, I will go on to Jordan Butts. <laughs> 262,042 break even. Hold him. He's a playing defender. Hold him. See if... He, he could pump out a, a 90 or an 80, whatever. He's done it. He's one of the only players, I think, this season that actually like scored over 30 without having a touch of the footy, without having a single disposal. Like It's insane. So, yeah, hold on to Jordan Butts. I'll finish on Sam Berry. 213K, 43 break even. He's more of a slow burner. On the weekend, we saw him crack the double digits in disposals. But in effect, we also saw him get only one tackle, which is very un-Sam Berry-like. He did go to Brayshaw towards the end of the fourth 
Uh, I was told by a very good source. I did not watch the game myself. So I don't see him getting dropped from this Adelaide side. Uh, so hold him again, slow burn. Even though he's got that 43 break even, he will be that slow burner. Hopefully he did well enough in that tag on Brayshaw that he may get used as a tag next week. They're playing the Hawks, so there's probably not anyone worth tagging. Maybe he'll run with Tom Mitchell and get a, f- a bit of the footy and plenty of tackles and might even get us an 80. So we'll we'll see what he does. Or well, maybe he goes to Jagerbomb. He's been going good. Mm. Mm. We'll go on to the fan questions. We've got two this week that we're going to focus on. One is from Pantelis Seros. G'day, mate. Um, so he goes, thoughts on a Campbell trade-off? He's had one good game, but otherwise has been pretty meh. Pato, I think you just summed it up just before, but take it away again. Yeah, we touched on a little bit before, but uh, if he's dropped, it makes the decision really easy, even though he's only made us 55000 But he's the most traded out that's currently in my team at nearly, nearly 7,000 people have traded him out already. I suspect that number will go up a fair bit by Thursday or Friday. But yeah, if if that's your worst issue, then jump off. If he's named, it might be a little bit of a trickier decision. Tate Fuller said, injury news, Ridley and how, how long and hold or trade if trade best options. Now, we touched on Ridley earlier saying it's just going to be the one week concussion. So hold him. But Jeremy Howe, three to four weeks, best trade options, Pado. I already know who you're going to say, but go ahead and say it. So at 475,000, Jeremy Howe's a real awkward one. If you've got 20K, someone I really like is Jack Bowes. Now, he only had 73 on the weekend, but he's still averaging 107. So if you can afford the 20K, I'd be looking at Jack Bowes personally. But if you want a couple of options that are a bit cheaper, I've got a couple for you, Dano. Lockie Scholl. Now, I'm not convinced that he's going to keep it up because he is so young and only in his second year playing footy. But a three-round average of 114 is really hard to ignore, and he's averaging 99 on the year. He's in 6% of teams. A lot jumped on last week after that 160-odd score, but he's backed it up with 103. So that's good enough as a defensive premium. I'll give you one more, and we spoke about him earlier on in the podcast. Braden Maynard, a lot riskier. I would not be recommending him as a first choice, but if you want to take a massive risk at someone that is priced at 450000 125 on the weekend, Braden Maynard. Okay, I've got a couple of options, but they're going to be a bit more left field. If you have Nick Cox in your forward line, flick him to defense. Then you can bring in any forward that you want. And if you don't, if you don't have Jack Zebel, bring you can then bring him in. So there's one of my first options. Uh, I think it's a bit, if you're bringing in Zebel though, you're expecting him to be a premium from now on. You ought to miss the boat on the cash cow option. But that's if you believe that he will be a keeper by the year's end. The other option, if you've got someone that you can switch from midfield to defense. So let's say you've got Rory Laird in your mids. You can switch him to defense. Bring in Andy Brayshaw. He's around that same price. A little, like about 5K difference. Something about around that. Bring him in. Then you got the premium midfielder that's budget price, and then you got another premium defender back into defense. So there's a couple of options there. Or if you've got the gonads of a motherfucker, Alex Witherden. There, I said it. He's had one game, but if you've got the big gonads, he's a proven big scorer 
at the Lions. I think last year he got like in the 170s in his first game playing for the Lions. But it's that little thing of can he hold his spot once Hearn returns? We've got a little bit of leeway with the rounds leading forward because Hearn's still going to be out. But yeah, he's one that I, I'm i going to strongly consider for that. If I was in that position, which I am, of having Jeremy Howe out. I'm quite annoyed at myself that I didn't even think of Andy Brayshaw because I'm bringing him in myself this week. But yeah, if you've got that swing, and that's why it's so important for these dual position players to be able to swing players around when they get injured and you have to trade them out. But yeah, Andy Brayshaw is probably the number one option for me. Absolutely. Yeah, well, even if you've got Nicky Cox up forward, you can flick him into defense. And then you've got a dual position one, like, I don't know, Brockman or someone in your midfield, you can switch up forward, just even put them on the bench. You can then bring Brayshaw into your mids and push someone like a Sandberry onto the pine. There's another option. But that's if you're one of the intelligent people that started Nicky Cox. And didn't trade him. Exactly. Now, we are not called the Supercoach co-captains for nothing. Every week, we give you VC and C options, whether they be blatantly obvious or left field ones. VC options we consider to be a little bit of a luxury. So we kind of lean more towards, say, a left field pick, but your Cs are your go-to boys when your VC fails. So we're going to have a crap load of options for Friday night with the Giants hosting the Bulldogs. The inform Giants now playing the incredibly fucking inform undefeated Western Bulldogs. Pato, who are your VC options in this one? I got a left field one for you right off the bat, Dano. Ooh, ooh, not the obvious choices. If you were smart and didn't trade out a premium after one poor game and one week suspension, the little man himself, Caleb Daniel, fresh off a week off, could go big against the Giants. Yep, yep. Okay, that. That, that's what we're here for. This is the content. I'll, I'll go with an, another left field one. Match winner last week. To be honest, he got. Tw- I, I don't know how he actually got as many touches as he did, but kicked the match winner for the Giants last week. Josh Kelly, I'm only saying this out of hope. Please be the one round where you get that fucking 180 that we've been waiting for. I know you're playing forward, but can you at least kick like six goals or some shit? Not just one that's a match winner. I mean, as a Giants fan, yeah, sick. Thank you. But yeah, we just... Need more. We need more. Can't see it happen against the Doggies, Dano, but I hope so. I hope this is his big game, but we failed to mention, but we we better give them a mention. Jack McRae, yep. Josh Dunkley, they're the yep. obvious ones. We're trying to give some people the left field ones, Dano, and this is what we're here for. Yeah, correct. Left field one that's coming a bit more normal now, though, I will say, against his old side. His original side. He was a foundation player. Adam Trelaw over in Canberra. Keep an eye on. He's been getting better and better each week. I think if you're gonna, if you if you don't have a McRae, you pretty much missed the boat on him. I reckon. So if you've got a Trelaw, one of the few people that do, give him a VC. But I, I reckon it's going to be Dunkley's game. Yep, Dunkley's been killing it and uh, killing me at the same time because I don't fucking have him. Oh, he's great. He's, he's he's a great man. Great man. Move on to Saturday. Geelong Cats versus the West Coast Eagles out at GM HBABCDEFG Stadium. How about Sammy Menegola? The 1% of teams that have him. Is that left field enough for you, Dano? That is, that is pretty fucking left field. Okay, okay. I'll try and go with more left field ones that people might have. And I think we're going to be leaning more towards the Catholas. I think the Guth is going to bounce back. <laughs> Yeah, he was a bit poor last weekend. Yeah. Maybe he just looked a little bit lost with Dangerfield back in the team. But 
He does like playing down at the Alphabet Stadium. So we'll see how he goes. All that. Dangerfield's fucked off now. So I want to see the guff link up with Jeremy Cameron. I just I could, I just reckon it's going to be tantalizing when they see goal assists. And I know some of our listeners have the guff. So I'm going to go VC the guff on this one. I would just love to see Geelong choke in another grand final. Well, that's just me, Dano. West Coast Eagles, can you see any potential VC options there? Nick Nat, if you have him, but another real left field one if you want, and if you're bringing him in without Shadon Hearn, is Alex Witherden. Yep, yep. I just, especially if Geelong Cats keep spraying the ball in front of goal and they kick a fuckload of behinds, and Witherden's just there going, yum, 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 give me all these kick ins. So, yep, I like that one, Pato. I yep. like that one a lot. He, he could go real big, but so could Tim Kelly against his former team as well. So, a few options here. Move on to the Suns versus the Swans. Straight off the bat, I'll go with Lukey Parker again. I just Parker, Parker, Parker. It's almost like parkour. He's like jumping off people and shit. Anyway, yeah, Parker for me. Parkour, parkour. Yeah. Why do we sell France? Another one I don't mind up at Metricon Stadium might be Jack Bowes. Now I like him. I like him a lot, and he could bounce back. Yeah, he'll bounce back. Um, I I was gonna suggest maybe Lacocious if he's pushed back into that. Def- more of a defensive wing role. But, yeah, I just don't know what Stewie Dew is doing. So I, I want to keep an eye on Lukosius on that one. Does Stewie Dew know what Stewie Dew is doing? Well, you want to fucking know he knows how to do the Dew. Like, fuck me. Knows how to kick a couple of big goals in a grand final. <laughs> you just love bringing up grand finals today. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly Richmond ones. <laughs> oh, that's not a Richmond one, though. No, that was against not. the Cats, though. It was against the Cats. It was against the Cats. You just love roasting yeah. them. Yeah, let's yep. bring on the cat roast. Fuck it. Yep. Usually the I'll, I'll take it easy on them because they're doing shootouts, but fuck the cats. Yeah, fuck the cats. Honestly, Jeremy Cameron, I hope you kick 11 behinds. Fuck you. Alex Witherden. <laughs> yeah, and Alex Witherden gets all the kick-ins. Yeah. <laughs> Carlton versus Brisbane. I'm going to go with Sammy Walsh. Bang, bang, bang. Thanking you. He's just, yep. yeah, he's suited to the game. Yep, I was going to say the same. Uh, I'd be avoiding Lockie Neal because I think he'll get a hard tag from Ed Kerno, but Walsh, I think, is the only one for me in this game. Um, I'm actually going to say also Lockie Neal as well because I reckon he's back, baby. I reckon he's back. And even with Kerno hanging off of him, he's going to get those contested possessions. Bang, bang. So, yeah, I'm, I'm back and Lockie Neal in. Lockie, if you're listening to this, I'll back you in, son. Don't let me down. Yeah, if that? Lockie Neal's listening, we... Uh, might have to get him on the show because I doubt he is, but you never know. <laughs> I'm going to tweet this out to Lockie Neal just so then he listens to the show. We love you, Lockie. We love you long time. Melbourne versus Richmond. Now, again, every week, majestic beard, bald head, monster of a man. Pato, take it away. It's going to be hard not to mention the tattooed wonder, but you can't go past Maxi Gorn unless he... Touch wood, hopefully don't jinx him. But unless he breaks a leg or something at the G on Saturday night, he's going to go big against the Tigers. So he's the only option from this game. Don't even think about anyone else. Yeah. Clayton Oliver's another one if you don't have Max um, or Dustin Martin. But yeah, I'd, Max gone. It's Max gone. Yeah, that's all we need to say. Dockers versus North Melbourne on the Saturday night. Now, I said... That Zebel could be a potential VCC option. I think he's a bona fide one now with the amount of fucking nothing possessions that he gets. He has fuck all contested. 
takes all their kick-ins. No one's touching him. He's made of tissue paper and no one's touching him. What the fuck? Anyway, if you got Zebel, he's a potential VC option for you. Pato, you got any? Not really, because honestly, this game overlaps with the, the Saturday night Melbourne versus Richmond game. So unless Gorn does break his leg in the first quarter and you've got the VC on him, I really don't see any options from this game. I, I'm going to go with, just because it's North Melbourne, and we, I like to do a little, oh, shit, I farted on Mike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shit, that stinks. Fuck. <laughs> finishing. Holy shit. What <laughs> accidental ones stink the most? Fucking hell. <laughs> just, <laughs> just because I like to roll with the left field stuff. North Melbourne, they're fucking shit. Teams roll over them. Nat Fife or Andy Brayshaw, get on. Yeah, if Nat Fife can do better than kick zero goal six like he did a couple of weeks ago, then I could back him in to kick a bag and still get 30 touches. So he could go 180 because North are a fucking VFL team. So, yep, I don't mind Nat Fife as an option if you don't have Gorn, Oliver or Dusty. But I don't think there's many teams that won't have one of those guys. What about Brayshaw? Is he going to care enough to do well against North? I reckon he will. I fucking hope so because I'm bringing him in this week. But yeah, <laughs> Rachel isn't a, isn't a bad left field option. It's just it's just for these non-Gorn owners because there are some out there. There are some that did Grundy and then Flynn and then let's say Meek. So we've got to factor those guys in as well, Pato. So if you don't have your Gorn and you do have one of Brayshaw or Fife, I'd go with them as a VC option. Yeah, I don't mind you thinking. Move on to Sunday. So these are for the failed VCs. Pretty much that happened earlier in the week. So we got Hawthorne versus the Adelaide Crows. Really pus super coach relevancy for me, to be honest. Um, the only fun fact is that the Crows are sitting seventh and the Hawks are sitting 17th, and yet the Hawks are favorites. Work that shit out. Anyway, who do you have for this one, Pato? Who would you consider? So just quickly on the odds, it's down in Tassie, so that's probably why they think Hawthorne are going to win, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because they've been fucking woeful. But anyway. Tommy Mitchell, I like. He's had a couple of down games. I reckon he's due for one of his big 40-touch, 160 supercoach scores. You've heard it here first. Is that a pato bang bang? We'll call it a bang bang. Hopefully it happens because I've got him, but it'd be great if I've called it already. Yep, cool, cool. Big Texan, do you reckon he'll bounce back as a C option? Or do you reckon just, nah, just fucking don't even consider it? I would... Probably not. Now, I've just, it's just occurred to me that he injured himself on the weekend. I forgot to put it in the run sheet, but oh, shit. he did a calf during the game. And I've just remembered that. But came back on the ground, wasn't as good as he was before he did the calf. We'll see how that pulls up. Yeah. Okay. Well, we fucked that one up, guys. But uh, Texan, focus on him. Hopefully he's okay for Texan owners. Um, Collingwood versus Essendon. Uh this this makes this game makes my dick concave, like it make it makes yeah like it it's it's not exciting at all, yeah. It's no Ridley, the Good Friday game a couple of weeks ago with that pathetic North Melbourne team playing, but hopefully we get to see Big Cox doing a merry-go-round through the MCG to at least get us a little bit excited. Which Cox? Oh, oh not Nick. Anyway, Brody Grundy's the one for me. Yep, yep. Well, Grundy's going up against, what, two-meter Peter? I'm assuming that's who he's going to go against. Coxie's not going to ruck too much. Yeah. This this could be a good born VC into Grundy C if you've got him, if you've got both. 
a lot of people do have the Gordy combo. So that's that's yeah, that's all I can see. Anyway, the last game, Port Adelaide versus St Kilda, and again, it's just the safe options here. I'll go with the first one, Jack Steele. Yeah, I like Jack Steele. If last game of the round, so obviously has to be a captain, but Boak or Steele are probably the two for me in this game. Yeah, that's who I was going with too. Anyway, that's all we got time for this week, guys. So get hit us up on our socials. I am at Dano. That's at D-A-N-E-O-S Triple C on Twitter. And Pado, what's your handle? My handle is at P-A-T-T-O-S Triple C. That's Pado Supercoach Co-Captain. Give me yep. a follow. We both talk about Supercoach and footy stuff all weekend while we're watching the games. So We'd love some involvement and we'll take your questions as well if you want to shoot us some DMs on there. Yeah, and I've been uh, getting some DMs. So I'm going to give a shout out right now to at It's King SC, King Supercoach, he calls himself. Uh, He's been giving me a fair bit of chat in the DMs. So shout out to him. Uh, Anyone else, just chuck us an inbox, tag us, retweet our shit. You know, that's the way we can get a little bit of our stuff out there. If we've got some breaking news, retweet that shit. Come on, guys. You can do this. Anyway, that's all we got time for from the Supercoach co-captains. I am Dano. And I'm Pato. And we are signing the fuck off.